Can I just say I'm excited to be here today to worship? Uh, I'm just, man, so many things running through my mind. Uh, God is so big. God does so many great things. Here we are beginning 2017. We're already smack dab into it, a week old into the new year. And I just believe God has great and mighty things in store for us. Uh, I saw where one of our class, a Sunday school classes, has begun challenging one another, the entire class, and it's kind of spilled over to other people, even outside of our church, and other classes to read their Bible through in a year. How many have set your heart to do that this year? Amen. All right. I challenge the rest of you. It, it basically is 100 chapters a month. Think of it that way. That way it seems a little more manageable. Uh, it's somewhere between three and four chapters a day, but it'll end up 100 chapters a month because there's like 1,198 chapters in the Bible. So, uh, and you'll, you can take a day off for Christmas if you want to. Uh, but... As you begin reading it, you see great and mighty things. You remember the stories you learned as a child? When I started preaching 30-some-odd years ago, what I had to draw on was what I heard in Sunday school, what my mom and dad read to me when I was a child, and what I would heard my preacher preach. And most of that was those tremendous Bible stories. How many believe that... Jonah literally rebelled, was cast into the sea, into the lake or ocean, and the fish or the whale swallowed him and spit him out on the shore. How many believe that? All right. How many believe that Joshua literally marched around the walls of Jericho seven times and the walls fell? I don't. I believe he marched 13 times. (laughs) That's right. Once a day for six days, seven times on the last day. But you believe that. How many believe that God literally put his hands in the Red Sea and spread it? And not only did they go through the midst of that sea, they went on dry land. How many believe that? Amen. Now, what does that say about the God we're worshiping today? He's a big God. He's a big God. And I believe God does things very dramatically. And sometimes we would even think undignified. So I may be a little undignified for just a moment, but I want to do something in honor of how big our God is. Ryan, I need your help. Joy Smith, I need your help. If you'll come down here for just a second. We're going to walk right over here. That's what I love about walking around Mike's. God does some big and mighty things. Uh, We prayed, and last year we set a goal of $10,000. And Joey and Brooke came to me before that and said, we want to serve God as a couple. I said, well, what is God telling you to do? We feel like missions. I said, okay, here it is. And they ran with it. We had Jingle for Jesus, and this year we had our second one. And money was raised and things, but you gave. Last year, we set a goal of $10,000. And how much did we bring in? Anybody remember? 
$18,000. That's almost twice what we had set a goal for. So this year, we upped the goal. We doubled our goal. And we said, well, if we can set a goal of 10 and raise 18, then why not set the goal of 20? Well, I believe that God tears down obstacles. And we ought to be as dramatic in that when God answers prayer. So help me up here. Don't you drop me. $20,063.73. It's not me. God does this stuff. It's the first time I ever preached on a counter. Now I'm breaking a hit, you know. I appreciate these guys that run and plan and all the little arrows. He went around that cold morning and drew them. His wife's faithfully serving in the nursery this morning. She texted me. She said, I hate I'm not going to be in there. But it's not about me. It's not about us. It's about him. And at the end of the service, we're going to start talking about our mission trip. We're going to go on this year. Thank you all. You got anything you want to say? No, just thank everyone for giving. Amen. That's right. I mean, think about it. 200 people on average gave 100 bucks, right? A little over that. That's, that's big. That's a big average. That's, that's way beyond anything other churches, many churches. I don't mean that disrespectfully. Some give more, some give less. But as long as they give, I, I don't mean to disrespect any other place. But I want to say thank you for your faithfulness. And I wanted to draw a light because, like Joey said, it's all about him. That's what I want to talk about. Thank you, all guys. I want you to turn to Genesis this morning. Genesis. And pardon me, but I just believe as you begin to read through the Bible, God begins to show you things. So my, my messages may go as I go, as I read through. And, and, it just, and I've got to where, when I'm just reading, and I was told a long time ago, When you study for messages, there ought to be a time that you read the Bible to study for messages and then another time that you just, I can't do that. I just, when I read God's word, I just want it to speak to me and and it just jumps off page. So I've just started writing down little things as I go. And and, and there's probably 10 sermons I've already kind of sketched out before I ever got to where I'm going today. I want you to turn with me this morning to Genesis 18. Genesis 18. And for those students of the Bible, you probably know what verse I'm fixing to read. This is the great story of Abraham and Sarah. And the gift of the child of promise. God didn't come and say, hey, you're going to have a child. And they said, oh, great. They went to the hospital and had a child and ended the story. No, things doesn't always go The way we think they should. Sometimes there's great obstacles. And I'll be honest with you. I was getting a little concerned about whether we were going to reach that goal. It's like we jumped up there and then it just kind of stalled out. It's like, Lord, you know, I can't make this happen. I'm not going to make it. You make it happen. And God did. And we exceeded our goal. That's beside all the other giving. We have, through our budget, upped our giving to the cooperative program, which means that we're not just giving to this one offering at Christmas. 
But every month, our, our gifts to the Southern Baptist Convention that comes back to the international missions and to the North American missions and to our seminaries and to other areas of ministry through disaster relief and other things, we have raised it as well. Not to mention $6,000 for 22 cakes. Not to mention the other things that we've given to our uh, transportation fund because we've got to buy a vehicle. We've got to do those things so that our youth or our senior adults are not stranded on the side of the road. What I want to tell you and preach this morning and our focus for 2017 is this. I already told you what was coming. We'll see how many remember. It's focused on this one thought all year long, all life long, bigger than me. How I've proved him over and over and over again. Sometimes we prove God with a bad attitude. Hebrews 3.9 refers back to the time of the wilderness and said, You proved me in the wilderness. In your, in your rebellious heart, you proved me, but I was, I was there. I didn't leave you, nor did I forsake you through the wilderness. And into the promised land. And in Egypt and all the other things. Listen. God is bigger than me. He's bigger than a Lottie Moon offering. He's bigger than Eastside Baptist Church. He's bigger than your circle of influence or your level of comfort. God is bigger. And I don't know what kind of trials and tribulations you're facing. I do know what me and my family are. I know the things that we face in life. I know the things that I battle with on a day-to-day basis. And I have to come to a conclusion before I ever get out of bed. And then multiple times throughout the day that God is bigger than me. I'm telling you now, if you get a hold of this, it will be so liberating. It will not make your problems go away. It will show you that God... We'll see you through. Genesis 18, 14 says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? Anybody want to answer that? It's really a rhetorical question, isn't it? God asked Abraham, Is it anything too hard for me? I'm bigger than you, Abraham. I'm bigger than you, Sarah. I'm bigger than all the things of this world. And that's what I want us to look at today as it relates to our life. Bigger than me. This word hard is anything too hard. It literally, this word hard in the Hebrew means to be different or difficult. To be separate. It, it's not the, the menial things, the easy things. You know, when I have a list of things to do. I always sometimes want to take care of all the easy things and save. But I've learned that if I go on and tackle the big thing, the easy things will come. God says, I do the difficult things. I do the things that are separated nobody else wants to do or nobody can do. I am God. Is there anything too difficult, too different for me? His answer is no. And his answer, no, is proven in the actions 
that he takes. First of all, if we're going to understand that he's bigger than me, first of all, we've got to accept the truth. We have to accept the truth, number one, that God is bigger than time. Oh, we limit things on, on our time. We say, oh, I don't have time for that. Oh, we need to get it done and be out of here by this time. Oh, I only have so many hours in a day. Oh, I can't do it during this time and that time. Listen to what he said in verse 10. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. I will return unto thee according to the time of life. Do you understand God is bigger than time because he's timeless? I like watches like I like shoes. And I've, I can't afford them, so I buy the cheap ones. But uh, I, I like watches. And I've got seven or eight watches, and I'll change them out. But I'm a slave to it. We all are a slave to time. We have to be at school at a certain time. We have to change classes when the bell rings or the horn blows. And we, we go to work at a certain time. We get off at a certain time. And we've got to be at practice at this time. And church is set at this time. And we'll send out announcements when we're going to get married at this time. Everything in this world is limited by time. But God is a God that is timeless. He's above your clock. He's above our watch. Some people have an inner clock. They wake up at a certain time just about every day. And they go to bed at a certain time. I, I wish I was like that. I'm not like that. But I do have a certain clock in me that says it's time to eat. You know? And, and several of us will we'll text each other around that time and say, it's time. Where are we going? We can't ever figure out where we're going, but we know it's time. It's time to eat. Well, listen, God lives above all time, and we are simply in his creation of time. God is not limited by anything that we want to put parameters on. In time, God will do great things in our life. I look back now, my early 50s, when I thought that my time was come. I ought to be doing this and I ought to be doing that. And I can look back now and say, it was not, it was not God's timing. Right? Yeah, I mean, y'all that are even, even in your 30s, if you've been saved for any length of time, you, 20s, you can look back and you can start seeing God's hand in not doing things because you couldn't handle them. You know, I've told you the story. I always said growing up, my dad was 30 years older than me. Oh, there's this big generation gap. And I was going to get married young and have children young. Wasn't God's timing. In his time of life, I didn't get married until I was almost 25. In God's timing, I was 33 and 35 when Becky had Emily and Ethan. And looking back, I thought, oh, you know, I'd be old. But I look back now and that's nothing. Time can destroy you. You can be so panicked. People's in a race. 
The Bible says going to and fro and don't know where they're going. We're in a hurry, as Alabama would say, to go nowhere. We're in a hurry to get somewhere. And the world don't care. We need to slow down and realize God is timeless. How long should we have church? As long as God says stay here. How long should a prayer meeting be? Until God says it's time to stop. What did Jacob say when he wrestled with an angel? Did he say the sun's coming up? It's time for it to be over. You've kept me up past my bedtime. This has got to stop. Is that what he said? Jacob understood something we need to understand. He said, I will not turn loose until you bless me. We need to understand God's timing is not our timing. And what we may think needs to happen today, God says, you can't handle it today. It would go haywire if it happened today. The world said the elections must go this way and this way, and it's going to go this way because time has passed for all that other stuff. And God said, not up to you. I'm timeless. And in the time of life that I plan, that's when things will happen. When God decided in eternity, he spoke time. Think about that for a minute. God lives outside and spoke time into existence. But being the cause of all the causalities of this world, God resides outside of every clock and every watch. God set the sun in the sky and the moon by night. God set a firmament to to divide the waters. God spoke creation. He spoke man into existence. He breathed life into him. And on the seventh day, having split time into days, he rested. And every day since, make no mistake about it, do not by into the lie and fallacy of weak, incorrect theology that will tell you, yes, God created it, but he is completely out of control and let it go the way it wants to go. That is becoming, that open theology business is of the devil. I'm here to tell you, God has never been surprised. God has never been out of control. Does God allow things? Yes. Because I cannot believe for a second that God ordained sin. That is our corruption of God's good creation. But God allows these things to happen. But understand, God is still in control and sovereign in the fact that if you do, you shall surely die. Accept the truth that he's bigger than time. Stop limiting God. Stop thinking that your time has passed. Stop thinking that God can't use you in your time frame. Just accept God is bigger than that. Five o'clock. God's bigger than five o'clock. And if God wants you to be here for choir, then you need to be here at five o'clock. Whatever it else is, cancel it. Be where God wants you to be. Bigger than time. God's bigger than our plans. I've made some pretty cool plans. I mean, even wrote it down before. Drew pictures. I was cleaning out stuff the other day, and I found 
a sketch, and I believe the first sketch I ever made of a house, the very first one, I mean, 30-something years ago, 35 years ago, I sketched out this house I was going to build. I never built that house. I've drew plans and built other houses that I drew, but I never built that house. Those plans were very weak to start with. I've, I've planned other things. Oh, we're going to have this great thing. We're going to do this thing. We're going to plan this and all these other things. And our plans become a mess. What happened with their plans? Abraham and Sarah got tired of waiting because they didn't believe God was bigger than time. And if we don't understand that, then we don't understand God's bigger than our plans, and so we start making our own. That's how churches falter. That's how churches fail. That's how churches split. That's how marriages have been cast and dashed upon the rocks of this world. That's why people's dreams and aspirations have literally crumbled in front of their eyes is because we have stopped accepting the fact that God is bigger than our plans. What did they do? They said, it's not going to work. God's forgotten us or whatever. We need to make this thing happen. I'm going to tell you something. You go kicking a door open, you'll wish you had never put your foot against. Abraham and Sarah decided... We'll handle it. And so Sarah takes her handmaid, Hagar, into Abram. And Hagar conceived a child. Now I want you to think about it. When we start trying to make our own plans and think that our plans are bigger than God rather than God's plans are bigger than me, they will be fraught with danger. Always. Living proof, a lorry driver drove into a group of Israeli soldiers and killed four of them in the last 24 hours. You know who was driving the lorry? Ishmael. On 9-11, 2001, on a severe, clear Tuesday morning, Ishmael flew planes into the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, and into a field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. That was Ishmael. And don't you let any politician or anyone else lie to you about a peaceful religion because God said he would be a wild man. That's exactly the words he used. He said, and they'll be, they'll be as sand of the sea too. They are fighting over the land God gave Israel. Don't you let John Kerry or any other talking head tell you that a settlement of Israel is against people's rights when God gave the right. God's plans are better than ours. It's fraught with danger. We ended up with Ishmael. Not only danger, but discouragement. Listen to this. Who was it that gave Abraham Hagar? His wife. What's her name? And what happened when she conceived? What happened when she became pregnant 
with Ishmael. What did Sarah do? She got mad. It was her plan. Did she get mad at herself? Yes. But who was the target? My point is, listen, she took Hagar and said, you've got to get out of here. I can't look at you anymore. I can't deal with you. Now, I want you to hear me now. This is serious stuff. Young people, especially you young girls that are unmarried. Some little boy tells you he loves you. Some little boy says, if, if you love me, you will do this. I'm telling you. I'm telling you from the word of God. All he wants is his way. And as soon as he gets his way, he won't want anything to do with you anymore. You wait on the person God has for you. Can I get a mama or daddy to say amen? Listen to me. And it's not just in that. It's in everything else in our life. Listen to me. When you start making plans, sometimes you get your plan and you'll get mad. And you know what? We target everybody else. But who are we mad at? We're mad at ourselves. Husbands will get mad at wives. Wives will get mad at husbands. Children will get mad at parents. Parents at children. Employers at employees. Churches against pastors. Pastors against deacons. People fighting amongst one another. And it all comes back to we did not trust God's plan. God had a plan. And when we divert... There's danger, there's discouragement, and ultimately there's defeat. There's defeat. If you want to live beaten down, keep trying to go your own way. Keep trying to do it on your time. Keep trying to do it according to your architectural plan for your life. And you will keep getting the same thing. Defeat. Defeat. Why is our country and our world in such bad shape? Is we're trying to do it ourselves. He's bigger than time. He's bigger than our plans. We've got to accept the truth that he's bigger than our abilities. Listen, God is limitless. Is there anything too hard for God? No. He's limitless. But we're limited by our bodies Sarah, she laughed. She couldn't, listen, she couldn't grasp it. It was beyond her, fa- her, her imagination. Now, Abraham, verse 11, and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. What is he saying? She was past childbearing age. Now, how old was Sarah roughly at this time? Huh? I was thinking in her 80s. Close to 90. Regardless, you know, that's, that's, per, that's way past. Way, that's double past. And so, yes, when we look in the, at the empirical data, when we start rationalizing and justifying based on the science That we understand. Understand this. All the science we have we've discovered. God created it. So God's above it. 
Is it really a miracle that God walked on water? Not to me. It's a miracle to us because we can't do it. But God created water. So water is subject to God. You see what I'm saying? I'm not, not diminishing. I'm not going deist on Yes, it was a miracle. But nothing is too hard for God. Is, did Jesus leave in the clouds? Did he catch a flight? Or did he just go? He didn't call Delta. He didn't call El Al, which is the Israeli airline. He didn't book his first class ticket to glory. The Russian cosmonaut who first went into space cast his eyes out upon the expanse of space. And he said, oh, I'm standing here looking out over the universe and I do not see any God. Armstrong said quite the opposite. And many other believing astronauts said, how can you come here and believe there is no God? But here's the thing. There's not been an astronaut yet went as far as they've gone, however far they've went, could see eternity. Because remember, it goes back. God is not limited by the space-time continuum. We are in God's creation, but God is the creator. He is bigger than our abilities. We can't. Look, we can't, but he can. Hebrews 11 is, is chock full of people who couldn't, but believe God could. They have looked at you and says, you will die. Your prognosis is not good. I love I love that commercial for a cancer research center that the girl weeping because they said, you've got this time and you will die. And she went somewhere else. And yes, a doctor said it. But let me say, God put it in a doctor's heart whether he knew it or not. He said, he looked at the bottom of her foot and he said, I don't see an expiration date. God will be through with you when he's through with you. That don't do anything for you senior adults. <laughs> Amen. Huh? Oh, okay. Penny, she lost her voice, so just do your head big. <laughs> Billy Graham should have died years ago. He's still impacting millions of lives, and he can't even preach anymore. But what he has left in such a legacy, it's a living legacy. Think of all the things that Franklin Graham is doing in Samaritan's Purse. All that birthed out of the heart of a man coming out of the country of North Carolina that laid his Bible on a stump one day and said, God, if you're God, I've got to know. I've got to believe before I leave here. And God reassured his heart. And Billy Graham walked in that faith. Has he let God down? I'm sure along the way. But all the things we've seen. Unbelievable things in Los Angeles and Romania and Mexico City and all around the world where Billy Graham came. And he said, oh, I see you up there. Come, come to Jesus. Come. The buses will wait. Come. Just as you are. Come, come to Jesus. Preaching the glory of the Lord. God's hands been on that man because he knew he was limited, but God is limitless. 
What is God trying to do in your life that you're limiting? That you need to say, God, tear down the barriers. Tear down my doubts. Because listen, he's bigger not only than our abilities, he's bigger than our doubts. Verse 12 and 13, Sarah laughed within herself and said, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? Not only did she say, I'm old, she said, Abraham's older than I am. The man has got a foot in the grave, God. I mean, he, I mean, he is old. He smells like mothballs, he's so old. God, this is, this is hilarious. And she laughed. And the Lord said unto Abraham, why'd Sarah laugh? Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Why? why? What, what's so funny? My, God don't tell jokes. We all have, like to have a good laugh. And God is a God of joy. But God's no joke. And when God says it, God means it. You know what I'm saying? Remember when your parent, you know, and you kind of toy back and forth. But then the parent says, look at me. I mean it. I mean what I say. You better do it. I'm not playing. Well, I can remember that. I remember my, my day said, I'm not playing, son. I'm not playing. I mean what I say. Well, I want you to know this word teaches us that God is bigger than our doubts. You see, we're limited by our perspective. Just what we see. What do you see in life? Do you see failure? Do you see others who have let you down? You put preachers or believers on a pedestal and you've seen them fall? I've seen some great men and women of God who have fallen in sin. But you know what? We Now, let me, let me preface this by saying we tie falling in sin to usually one type of sin. But you know what? Since that first message, January 1st, 1984, since August 9th, 1972, when God saved me, I failed God miserably. I failed the grace of God. I failed as a son. I failed as a husband. I failed as a brother. I failed as a father. I failed as a worker. I have failed as a boss. I have failed as a coach. I have failed uh, as a friend. I have failed in everything in my life. But one thing I want you to know. My God has never failed me. So please don't look at me. Look at the God I serve. Abraham failed God, but God still used him. Moses failed God, God still used him. David failed, Paul failed, Peter failed. They all failed, except for Jesus. God still used them. Jim Elliott, that great missionary who gave his life for Christ in Ecuador, said the will of God is always a bigger thing than we bargain for. But we must believe that whatever it involves, it is good, it is acceptable, and it is perfect. That makes sense, doesn't it? We need to accept that. It's bigger than our doubts because of our little perspective, the the shaded lenses at which we look through. Because of our pre-understanding, the way we were raised, where we were raised. I'm going to tell you something. You come to this meeting we have about going to the mission. 
God's leading you go on a mission trip and God will change your perspective on this world. You'll see God's much bigger. He's bigger than our doubts. He's bigger than our denials. You see, we're, we're limited by our fleshly heart. She said, no. No, it can't happen. And some of you come Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and deny the moving of the Spirit of God in your life. When will we wake up and say, yes, Lord, yes. When will we be as Isaiah when the Lord says, whom shall I send? When will we say, here I am, Lord, send me. Oh, let's take up money and we'll send the youth. Oh, let's get together and we'll send a group. Well, why, why aren't you the group? Why aren't you going on mission? Why aren't you telling others about Christ? Do you know that roughly only 2% of all Southern Baptists will ever lead anybody to the Lord? Why? Because we're unfaithful. Because we doubt, but then we deny. We say, God, that's not me. I'm not going to teach Sunday school. Every Baptist church on the face of God's earth just about is always wondering, what are we going to do about this? We can't get anybody to do it. We can't get anybody to keep the nursery. We can't keep anybody to teach classes. And there's people willing to hear the word of God. And some of you say, well, I just want to be taught for a while. If God's got a calling on your life to teach, teach. Stop being so self-absorbed that you thought church was about you. It's not. It's about him. Did we sing about you this morning or did we sing about Jesus? Did we talk about and do I preach about me? No! We preach about Jesus. Him high and lifted up. And he said, if I, if I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. I can't draw. I just can't. I'm not talking about with a pencil. I can't do that either. But I can't, I can't make people come to the Lord. You know what? When I realized I wasn't the Holy Spirit, I can walk away from here and not be depressed. As long as I know I've done what God has told me to do. Stop limiting with our heart God's will for our lives because he's bigger. God can still do it even when you say no. What did, what did Mordecai tell Esther? Yeah, but if you don't do it, I'll raise somebody else up. You'll know why a lot of people die, because they won't serve God. The man who led them out of Egypt didn't even get to go in the promised land. Why? Because he disobeyed God. Are we limiting God by our disobedience? Are we limiting a limitless God because we keep pushing off? Listen, we can't limit God. God will still do exactly what he wants to do. If he can make a donkey speak, if he can call me to preach, he can do anything he wants. Because I went kicking and screaming. I've told you all this. When I surrendered to God, I didn't say, oh, God, I'm so thankful. You're so wonderful and you love me. No, I said, God, if you can do better than what this is, have at it. He said, okay. I was one of those like Hebrews 3, 9. I proved God with a rebellious spirit. I said, God, your way cannot be worse than mine. Here it is. Now, God drew me to him through that. 
But even with a heart that was not fully on board, even in denial, God did it. You say, I can't talk in front of people. Moses tried that. Sorry. You're not, yeah. God's already dealt with that. Oh, but you don't know my past. Rahab, sorry. Paul, you know, Paul was the leading ISIS man of the day. Even He wasn't Ishmael. He was Jewish, but he killed Christians wholesale, killed them. He didn't just stand there and call them names. Do you know, last year they said in 2016, a Believer in Jesus Christ died for the faith about, on average, one every seven minutes. Think about that for a minute. It's astounding. Every seven minutes. That's, you know, ten in just over an hour. Church people who are not limiting God. We've got to accept the truth, but then we've got to act in faith. He said back in chapter 18, verse 1, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, or O Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, pass not away. I pray thee from thy servant. Right here, smack dab in the start of chapter 18, we see the Trinity coming in a Christophany, in a theophany, as they come before the presence of Abraham. And you see, if we're going to acknowledge that God is bigger than us, if we're going to accept that truth and see God do things, then we've got to act in faith. It starts by we must be submissive. We must be submissive. He said in verse 2 that he bowed himself toward the ground. We've got to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. Because pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We need to stop thinking we're all that and say, God, you are, I'm not, I must decrease, you must increase, and to God be all the glory. We must bow ourselves. We must be submissive. We ought to be seeking. He said in verse 3, Oh, my Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. We ought to be seeking. Plead for his presence. Oh, God, send the power just now. God, be in our service today. Be in our Sunday school. How many of you literally prayed, God, move in our Sunday school today? How many of you prayed in a mighty way, God, move in the music, in the message, in worship today? Lord, move in choir this afternoon. Lord, move in our students and in our children. God, move in the taking up of the offer. Literally praying through that. We ought to be very specific instead of just praying, oh, God, bless the church today. Oh, God, we need your presence. God, we need you in our giving of tithes and offerings. We need you as we play and sing. We need you in the preaching. Oh, Lord, how we need you. Be seeking. But then we ought to be surrendered. We need to be surrendered. He said back in verse 
4 of chapter 12. So Abram departed. God had called him, blessed him, given him a covenant, told him what to do. And Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. Did you hear that? Seems like, blah, okay, Abraham left, blah, 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 blah. blah. No, this is big, church. Let's look at the big picture. Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. Can the Lord speak anything less than truth? If the Lord speaks it, it is truth. And truth is life. And so as we see the big picture, we realize this is God's plan of salvation. This is the scarlet thread of redemption. Philip said this morning, they look toward Calvary. We look back at Calvary. Abram did not even fully understand, but he looked forward in obedience and he said, God has a plan. And so he went. God said, go, and he departed. What's God telling you to do today? What's he telling you to do? Why not today be the day it changes your life? Why not today you say, Lord, I'm... I'm submissive. Lord, I'm seeking. Oh, God, may I be surrendered. You see, we've got to get to a point where we say, I'm going with, I'm going for, and I am going by the grace of God. It's all for him. We talk about being all in, just do it, and all the other cool advertising slogans. I'm going to tell you, it's time that we get sold out for God. It's time we deny self, die to the flesh, and let the Lord be Lord of all in our lives. It's time that we become surrendered. C.S. Lewis said, we trust not because a God exists, but because this God exists. Think about that. He's not the monkey God, the elephant God, the cow God. He's not the God of the stars and the crystals. He's not the God of Hollywood. He's not the God... Just for me. He is the God of the universe. He is the God that is timeless. He is the God that is limitless. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He is the God of David and Solomon. He is the God whose name is Jesus. Churches, they come to the instruments. Can you see the big picture? What if Abraham, Abram, Failed the grace of God. What if Sarah rebelled? We'll never know what we do know. Even through doubts, even through denials. Lord said, why didn't she laugh? She even she said, I didn't laugh. God said, oh yeah, you did. Today you're sitting in the lap of denial. Say, oh God, I'm faithful. And God said, no, you're not. Oh, but I gave you, oh yeah, but you didn't give what I told you to give. Oh, God, I'm serving. No, not what I told you to serve. God's called you to one thing, and God's not going to be satisfied with your life until you're faithful in that one thing. Faithfulness in little things is a big thing. And it is time that we acknowledge in obedience through surrender that He's bigger than me. He's bigger than you. Bigger than all of us. And when we do, the Isaacs of promise will come along. God will bless us beyond anything we could ever imagine.
So why not today say, God, I come to you casting my doubts, my depression, Lord, all my fears, all my struggles, the obstacles, the things that seems insurmountable, God, I give them to you. Having no idea how you're going to do it, but I believe, God, that your will is better than mine. That I worship the God, not a God. I give it to you. Come, tell him. Tell him personally, God, you're bigger than me. Stand and come. Without hesitation, come. Come trust him today. As an act of reverence and faithfulness, Abraham bowed. Come bow before the Lord today.